Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the first ever podcast for the World Football Index. On this opening pod, we're going to chat all about the MLS in the USA, a little bit about the players that came from Europe to the States this season. Also, we're going to take a look at what's current in Brazil. If we have time, we're going to take a very brief look at, at any transfers of note in this window uh, on a global scale. But before we start and I introduce the panel, I'd like to give you a brief overview of what we're trying to achieve with this new website and new podcast. WFI is basically the brainchild of James Knowlton. He, he, his idea was to bring all aspects of the beautiful game into the spotlight on a global scale through this podcast. Also, there'll be many articles uh, from all over the world on the website. We currently have a growing global team, uh, which and we're always on the lookout for new additions from around the world, principally if, if anyone is involved in the J League or North Africa, places like that, 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 that there's not a great deal of coverage. You're more than welcome to give us a shout uh, on Twitter. We'll, you will give a Twitter handle out at the end and we can discuss and bring you on the pod if you would like. Or even if you know anyone who, who might fit that bill, please send them our direction. I'm your host, Dave Caron. I'm in Pipa, uh, Rio Grande North in Brazil. And tonight I'm joined by our, our Mexican-American specialist, my, my good friend and co-host for the WFI pod, Armando Angulo in Los Angeles. He's going to talk us through all the latest MLS news and I'm sure rightly he's going to be talking about Tigres making the uh, the final of the Libertadores. Mando, welcome. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's an absolute pleasure to be a part of this. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Me too, man. Next up, we have from the Sadaji Marvilloso, Rio de Janeiro, Robbie Blakely. He's a journalist down there, and uh, he's going to talk us all through what's happening and what's hot and what's not in Brazil at the moment. Uh, it's good to be back on with you, Robbie. We did a bit of work over the Cup of America. Great to talk to you as always. Pleasure to have you on. Uh, cheers, Dave. Pleasure's all mine. And last but certainly not least, an old mate of mine to help us talk through the, to- uh, talk through the topics. Uh, from the mass metropolis of Pancrana, County Donegal in Ireland, now resident of Belfast, Mr John Henderson, who's going to be a member of the New Northern Ireland podcast for Anfield Index. John, it's been too long since we spoke. Glad it's good to have you on. Thanks very much, Dave. Uh, very less glamorous intro there than the other ones, but I'll take that. No problem. Well, I could have called you a Mexican, but I didn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm working with two Mexicans. I'm working with a Southern Ireland, Ireland Mexican, and I'm working with a real Mexican. That's all good. Listen, to start off with, I'm going to take a quick run around the table, lads, for some brief intros on, on you know, what your what your interest in football, what you're doing with yourselves at the minute. Armando, I'm going to start with you. Do you want to give us a bit of a brief? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm someone that's followed the MLS for quite some time. I followed Liga MX for quite some time as well. I'm a big uh, Dorados de Sinaloa fan, and they just recently got promoted back to first division in Mexico, so that's a pretty big deal. I'm excited for that and this uh, at the start of this season for them, and I'm also excited for Liverpool. I'm a big Liverpool fan. As uh, everyone knows, you know, I'm a part of the Anfield Index. I write articles there, and I also podcast for the Mexican Anfield Index, as Dave uh, mentioned earlier. Uh but yeah, I have a passion for the game. Uh, I love to write about it. I love everything about it, reading up on the game. And uh, I, I, I'm very happy to be part of it on this side of the world and watch it grow uh, in this country, in the U.S. And it's really booming and it's something that's really exciting to see. 
Absolutely. Um, very welcome on the pod. Robbie, yourself in Rio de Janeiro, you don't sound much like a karaoke. What's what's the story there, lad? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was um, became disenchanted with being a Blackburn fan from Essex uh, back home and found myself over in Brazil uh, back end of 2009. Um, started doing some, some freelance journalism, sports journalism in the in the build up to the World Cup. Um, started reporting for the Rio Times on a regular basis and, and covered Brazilian football for, for Bleacher Report. Um, right now, I'm, I've actually taken a bit of a backseat from writing about journalism and doing some editing for the uh, organising committee for the Olympic Games. That's, uh, that's quite a job you've got down there. Um, just on an aside, um, are, are you involved in any way in this, this story that, that is breaking about the, uh, the water quality down there? And, and you know, it's, it's made big news. For, for the Olympics, uh, are you involved in that in any way? Yeah, no, no, that's got nothing to do with me, no. Nothing to do with you. I was just curious to know whether you did. Um, anyhow, it's great to have you on and hopefully, you know, you can contribute regularly on the pod with us. Uh, you know, your input's invaluable to us, to be fair. And across to John, do you, do you want to give us a bit of a brief on, on yourself, John? Yeah, sure, Dave. Um, as you know, lifelong uh, Liverpool supporter. 28 years of uh, heartache and glory <laughs> supporting the supporting Liverpool uh, moved to, moved to Belfast about 13 years ago and sort of reaped the benefits of being handy enough to get the, the flights over and back uh, to the games there but now really looking forward to it Dave and especially really excited by the by the Northern Ireland podcast should be should be a lot of fun and uh, a lot to look forward to this season, and great to be on with two guys as well. Such knowledge of the MLS and the and the South American scene. So intrigued to hear what the, what they make of things there. Yeah, at the end of the day, we're here basically to to to, to bring these leagues that are maybe just not as as in your face and in, in the UK and, and certainly around Europe. And and, and this is the idea of, of WFI is to bring these leagues and, and talk a little bit about them and and, and help to educate people. Uh, for for my own part, again, this is a recurring theme. I'm a Liverpool supporter. I I, I do pods for Anfield Index, so th- this is this is a new venture for me. Um, and, and certainly, it's it's a huge scale. As I said earlier on, we're we're looking for people to help us out on it. Um, I live in uh, the northeast of Brazil. I came here what nearly just over four years ago. Uh, my wife's Brazilian. We 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 came and we moved here. Uh, I live in a little sleepy village up in the northeast called Pipa. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful life for a retired person. Um, as I say, it's all, all good, but I'm very thankful for these pods and, and I'm looking forward very much to them going forward. Anyhow, let's get straight into the agenda and we'll come across to, to, to Mr. Angulo here. Uh, and he's going to give us a little bit of a rundown on, on the MLS. And first of all, I'd, I'd like to say to you, Armando, tell us how you're looking after Stevie, would you? Well, Stevie's more than okay, I'll tell you. Uh, he's actually acclimated himself to the league pretty well, pretty quickly. Uh, he took the move over very serious. You could tell most players in the past, uh, I think the MLS has been known as more of a retirement league and, and players coming over here to finish their careers. But now, I think in recent times, we've seen players like Stevie, like Lampard, real competitors come over here and uh, apply their trade. And they're really, Stevie's really hit the ground running. Uh, I was I was lucky enough to go out to his debut here in Los Angeles uh, as a lifelong red, it was something very surreal. Uh, he was able to uh, score a goal, a couple assists, and he just had some sort of telepathic connection with Robbie Keane. It was it was like watching Steven Gerrard of old. He was playing off the shoulder of the striker like he did uh, a la the Torres days, and it was just really, really fun to see. And I, it's what I expect the MLS to be from here on out. It's, it's growing, and uh, Gerrard is only one of the few names that are really coming into the league right now and really, you know, giving this side of the world, you know, the pleasure of taking in those top, top talents. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. And, and you mentioned Robin Keane. He's, he's another, well, I call him a Liverpool reject, really. Um, but he, he seems to be doing very well over there. Um, you know, I, I think for, for, for people listening to this and maybe not being, you know, so aware with the MLS, uh, you know, we watched Steven Gerrard sort of labour his way through the Premier League last year. It certainly wasn't the Steven Gerrard that, that I, I knew and loved. Um, you know, you talk about the Steven Gerrard of old. Um, do, does that make the suggestion that this game is much slower paced, the physicality maybe isn't? Uh, can you give us a, a, a brief sort of overview of, of the difference maybe of the physicality, the, the requirements of a player in, in the MLS? 
Um, the MLS isn't anywhere near as physical a league as, as, let's say, the Premier League, you know, and, and for Gerard in particular, he doesn't have the pressures of being Liverpool captain, of being the face of Liverpool for so long, and for having all that weight and not having a title and, and all that to go along with it. Uh, now that he's in LA, he looks refreshed. He looks a new man. He actually looks like 10 years younger. He's having fun again and smiling. I think that's the most important thing as far as Steven Gerrard is concerned and why he's been so successful recently. Uh, but, to be honest, it's not as physical a league. It's uh, defenders will give you your space, and it's it's a respect issue. I think when these players come over, the the Gerards, the Pirlos, the Drogbas now, uh, the David Villas, and players of that ill come over. I think the defenders they're they're usually young younger defenders, or you know, not quality in the sense of world class talents, but. I think it's a respect factor and they're starstruck a little. And I think that these players navigate their way through this league a little bit easier just by their name. And because it's not as physical, there is a lot of space to, you know, to operate and it, it, it suits their style of game, especially with, you know, their tactical knowledge and how far ahead they've been in the past with the competition they faced. No, absolutely. Um, you know, I would say I picked up uh, the Gerard um, debut. And, you know, it just seemed to me it was just moving at that slightly lower pace. And the, the first thought that I had really was, you know, Stevie's going to burn this league up. You know, when, it, when he gets his feet onto the table here, um, you know, you can just imagine the footballing, uh, the footballing people of, of Los Angeles just falling in love with this guy because he is just a, a talisman for, for, you know, he was for Liverpool. I'm going to say any team, but anybody, any team that has Steven Gerrard in it, it's almost like a talisman. Um, do you, do you want to explain to us how the MLS has broke down as well, Armando, for maybe people who, who aren't so aware of it? There's two different conferences. Can you explain how it works over the course of a season? Uh, yeah, there's, like you said, two different conferences, an Eastern and a Western conference, and it's all done by, you know, geographic positioning. Uh, there's 20 teams, 17 in the U.S., and there's three Canadian teams, so it's really a North American-type league, excluding Mexico. Um, it runs from March to October, at least the regular season does, and there's 34 games each team plays. Uh, the best record wins the Supporter Shield, so that's basically a, an award given out by the, the supporters. And, and the way that works, it would be what we would call like the league title at any other European league, let's say, because it's the most points accrued during the season. But in the MLS, it's not the most, uh, it's not the holy grail. It's not what you're out to win. It's a good consolation trophy, you know, but it's not what you want. What you want to do is get into the playoffs as a North American league. It's, you know, our North American-ness is just accustomed to a playoff system. We need that kind of excitement. So there's a playoff system and the top, uh, the top six teams on each side get into the, the playoffs and there's a semifinal final and it becomes just a knockout tournament all the way to the MLS Cup. That champion ends up being, you know, crown champion at, at, at the end of it all. It's very different from what we're used to seeing in, in Europe and, and even in Mexico or Argentina, those types of leagues with their, you know, mini tournaments, the clausuras, the aperturas and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's very different, but it's very unique for, uh, for the U.S. and, and Canada's style as far as uh, athletics. No, I, I hear what you're saying. Now, you know, obviously you've watched the league for some uh, some considerable time. W would you get the feeling that, you know, year by year, year by year, you know, these players are coming, the older players towards the end of their career from Europe. Do you see the difference that, that makes to this league? Can you, is it, is, it, is it something you're conscious of that year on year, this league is getting better and better, the quality, the standard of football is raising is it is it evident to the supporter? Oh, absolutely. As the popularity grows, these these names that are recognized in the World Cups and you know the global game that they become to be recognizable figures to this market as well. So they have appeal to come here, and it's like the thing about the U.S. is it's a, it's a decent lifestyle. It's it, the money is 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 guaranteed if you're good enough to come over here and make that type of money. And the quality of football, though it's not what you're used to, it's not as bad as it was, let's say, even 10 years ago. I mean, the league was founded in '93, so it's a relatively new league, and and it's it's grown exponentially. It was 10 teams then. Now it's 20 teams, and we're adding. Uh, a new team in Atlanta. We're adding a new team and a second team in Los Angeles by 2018. And then Miami's getting a team in Minnesota. So it's ever expanding. The thing with the MLS though, is there's no relegation. It's it's it, so that's the tricky part right now. There's no relegation and they continually grow. So eventually we're going to either have to stop growing or we're going to have to go into a relegation based system.
No, obviously, and, and given the size of, of 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 the country there, you know, it's huge, and it's a bit like Brazil, where I am. You know, the demographics of movement and and the logistics of of you know, for example, I'm closer to to Europe than I am to uh, the south of the country here in 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 Brazil, Rio Grande do Sul. Um, you know, it's absolutely huge. So the logistics of movement about there. Do, can you see a time uh, where the two conferences come together into one? you know, into one league, or is that something that's a long way away? Oh, yeah, absolutely that can happen. They already travel from coast to coast, so it's not like they're not playing each other now in the regular season. Toronto will still play Los Angeles and vice versa, so it's not like that makes a difference. It's just a matter of the playoff seating and standings that they're broken down in conferences, but the competition is just still there. That's cool. John, I think you want to come in and ask, ask Armando something. Feel free. Yeah, Armando... I'm just thinking back to obviously going back maybe 30 years ago and stuff when Pele and and George Best were there and there was a big, big push um, to boost American soccer. Um, what do you think, does this feel different to you? Because obviously they've had the big success with the, uh, with the women's teams. And do, do you think this is a start of something sustained now? Because the coverage as well, you know, the, the MLS, and obviously there's that interest now in the in the UK because I certainly found myself tuning into the games because I wanted to see how <laughs> how Stevie was doing. Um, do, do you see this now as something that will be sustained? Do you think the, the, the league will continue to grow and it won't be a, a flash in the pan that will maybe, you know, maybe die away in the coming years? Or do you think this is a start of something big? I think that this is definitely something that's sustainable. Uh, I think the league is growing and they don't have any sights of stopping growing. The names are getting bigger and they're getting younger. For example, Jovinko, he came from Juventus. He's still in the prime 26-27. He's a quality player. He's taken the league by storm. By far the MVP of the league this season. Giovanni Dos Santos, of uh, you know... For this side of the world, the Mexican international, the Mexican number 10, he's quality players, played a Villarreal Barcelona product, the next Ronaldinho he was hailed back in the day. So these are players that are coming over here at 25, 26, and they're making their mark, and they're, and they're deciding to come, you know, apply their trade here, and that's something that's very exciting. Uh, as Like you said, uh, the women's game is popular here, but that's been popular for a while. What's new is the popularity in the men's game, and that's something that is growing Every year you see it, whether at youth level or you see it in the stadiums, the atmosphere inside the MLS stadiums is something remarkable. When you're in stadium, it's without a doubt, it's, it's, it's a football atmosphere. It's fantastic. Everybody's in it. The, there's drums, the, the crowd, everything is fantastic in stadium. I think that the problem with the MLS right now is, uh, the way they market themselves on TV, their their television rights aren't that great. They're not televised that often. A lot of the games you have to subscribe online to watch some of the games out of market and things like that. That becomes an issue. Uh, but as far as the league growing in popularity and growing uh, in, in quality, I, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. I just think MLS has to find its niche in the type of player they want to bring in. Bringing in Giovanni Dos Santos, like I mentioned earlier, that's a Mexican international who's big on this side of the world, and those are the type of players that if they can get in their prime, that those are the type of players they need to go get. Also, the fringe players like Jovinko, who wasn't getting his run at Juventus, but he comes over here and he takes the league by storm. Those are the type of players, along with the Pirlos, if they're willing to come, the, the Lampards, the Gerards, that are going to give you two, three quality years and, and give these fans the excitement and, and the chance to see somebody that they never thought they'd get the chance to see. So I don't see this dying down. If anything, all these, there's new soccer-specific or football, if you will, specific stadiums around the country now. Before, they used to share stadiums with like uh, f American football or lacrosse or things like that. Now they have soccer-specific stadiums where the fans, the view, everything is just perfectly set up for, for the game to thrive here. I was going to ask as well, see, do you feel that, because there's a designated player rule as well, isn't there? And compared to, obviously, the Premier League, where it's the, you know, the boom in the foreign players has really has been what's probably catapulted that league, along with the, obviously the, the vast amounts of money. Well, what's your thoughts on the designated player rule? Armando, do you think it's something that is this to protect the interests of the of the national team, the state's national team? Do you think it maybe holds it, it back a bit, or do you think it's something that works? Uh, I personally think it holds the league back a little bit, but that's something that 
already this season we've seen them change the rules and flex a little bit and that allowed the Galaxy who already had designated players in Omar Gonzalez, Gerard and Keane now and that allowed them to go get Giovanni Dos Santos because they got more money, they got more cap space, they were able to flex on that. So the league is recognizing that it's growing at a rate that they no longer, I think it was to protect the league and its assets um, so they wouldn't overspend and get uh, handcuffed and then be in debt. But now that the league is growing, I don't think that fear is there anymore. So I think that the league is going to outgrow the designated player rule uh, in the near future, to be quite honest, as the league becomes more competitive and as there's more global appeal. Yeah. Cool. Right. I'm going to swing across to Robbie because you're awful quiet. on Robbie, have you, have you any thoughts in the MLS? Do you follow it at all? Um, or, or are you just focused on Brazil? What's your thinking about these European players moving to the MLS? Do you think it's a good thing for them, um, extending the career that way? What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, uh, I think it can only be a good thing for, for the MLS if you've got you know players uh, who are, have been su- such household names across the world, like David Villa, PLO, Gerard Lampard. Um, I wanted to pick up on a point um, Armando made there about the, the likes of Giovinco went there, went there in his prime uh, to Toronto. And the effect that might have on, on Brazilian football with, with the MLS growing and, and more money coming into the game. Has there been any, any mention in, say, newspapers or, or, or television discussion programs, something like that, about M- the MLS beginning to look at, uh, at players in Brazil and, and, and South America and bringing sort of young players who, who could then be, become with their, with their potential world stars? Like, for example, I'm thinking, um, uh, Gerson at Fluminese, who's been linked with the likes of Barcelona, uh, Juventus, and recently AS Roma. Um, it's a move that's much closer to home, and it may, may it might be um, easier for them to adapt before making a, um, a move on to Europe. Perhaps it be, become like a, a stepping stone for them. Um, has there been any suggestion in the in the American press that the MLS will start looking at younger Brazilian players to to start filling out their squads? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good shout, man, because uh, that's a, a market that the MLS really needs to target as far as like the players, the young players that come up and go to like, let's say, uh, the Ukraine or Russia, or those types of markets. Uh, those those are the types of players that I think that they can actually get, acquire. And like you said, it's much closer to home. And the thing about the MLS is that the money is guaranteed out in these other European countries. We're starting to find out that they don't get paid till late. A couple months late, they miss out on their money. And once these younger players start realizing that not only is the lifestyle probably a little better in the U.S., it's closer to home and the money will guaranteed be there at the end of the month every time in your bank account. Sure, I mean, because that was one of the big things um, Diego Tardelli mentioned when he left uh, Atletico Mineiro for China um, a few months ago. Um, when he was in and, in and around the, the, the national team for Brazil, he was, of course, at the Copa America. This seemed a slightly baffling move by someone would move to China, but... You know, at 30, 30 years old, one of the reasons he gave was that, you know, at this stage of my career, I'd quite like to get my salary on time, which is something as, as Dave can back up regularly doesn't happen here in Brazil. No, it's a real real common problem here. Um, you, you would see it on the news quite a bit. And, and it's an excellent point that you make, Robbie, in regards to that. Uh, the, the, the Brazilian, the young Brazilians may see the, the MLS as a stepping stone for that guaranteed paycheck. When you see clubs like Flamengo, um, struggling to pay their players. It, it, it's sort of worrying um, in that regard. Um, is there anything else you wanted to, wanted to push towards Armando there on the MLS, Robbie? Yeah, I, I just have one more question uh, specifically about a player who, who I've always I've always admired and is now sort of in the in the twilight of his career is, is Kakar. I was wondering how it started at Orlando. Kaká has been another player that's really been uh, very good. He's he's hit the ground running. He's the captain of Orlando. He he embraces it. He embraces the MLS. The fans really love him. He takes to him. Uh, he's really the leader there. He's he's scoring goals. He's creating assists. I think Kaká will actually have a longer career in MLS than some of the other players that have come over because he looks so fresh. If you watch him, he looks like he's had a few years off. He looks just absolutely amazing. Uh, the you know sure he's lost a step and he's not. He was never the quickest man on the planet, you know, but his passing has been perfect and his leadership is what really has shown during his time with Orlando, who's, who's, this is the first season that they've been in MLS. So it's, it's an inaugural season all around for them and they've really held their own and, and are fighting for a playoff position. That's brilliant. Cheers. Uh, he's my neighbor, by the way, <laughs> in case you didn't know. He owns the apartment above me in Natal. He owns 16 apartments in the, in the apartment building. I actually know his father quite well to talk to. Uh, a very, very nice man. Uh, I haven't seen him now in a while because I don't go to Natal that often, but it, it's my intention the next time I bump into the man to, to, to ask him a little bit about, about Kaká in, in the MLS. 
and maybe get a few stories for this. So it would be quite nice. John, what, what's what's your opinion here now on uh, on these European players? I'm thinking of like I know I know you're a Pirlo admirer. Uh, you think it's a good thing these guys extend their career? We'll get to see them, you know, again at maybe a slower pace, less physicality to see them operate as they can. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, the, I think the pace there, as you say, Dave, is, is just that bit slower. And you know, Perlo, you know, he, he he definitely was a step below what he, you know, in the season that when he was just finishing there with, with UV, you know, he was being caught on the ball at times, and it it was very on Perlo like. The memory I always have of Perlo is just he's always in space, and he was definitely losing that. But you could still see that class was there. So. I think for the likes of him and and Lampard and Gerard, I think it'll give them a new lease of life. And and I do agree with what you know what Armando's saying there about about Stevie. I mean, since he unfortunately had that slip against Chelsea, he does look like a man that was carrying the you know the weight of the world on his shoulders. He you know he went went away with England to the World Cup. They had a pretty terrible time of it, and I think. He's gone over there, and the pressure's off to an extent, and they're using him in the in the way that I think we all wanted Stevie to be used, which is letting him get in and around the the other team's box. And you know, he, he never for me was a player to be to be sitting there. And I think it's great that we're going to see him. You know, like that that debut that he had, where he was just wreaking havoc. You know, he was smashing free kicks in. He was he was creating goals. He's scoring goals. I think it's I think it's great, and I think for Perlo, Lampard, you know, I think it's great to get, you know just we will get to see a bit of their quality, and I think you know and you know David Villa, I think he's flying there, isn't he? He's got like ten goals and in the last nine games and stuff, um, and Drogba as well. Um, so no, I I think it's I think it's great, and and I I enjoy. I, I mean, I will be tuning into their games just to see, <laughs> just to see if if Stevie's still got it because. Personally, I think we Liverpool shouldn't have let him go, but but it's a great coup for Galaxy to have him. No, you're you're spot on there. Um, and and you know it was mentioned earlier on about the, the Pele's, the George Best, Rodney Marsh, those boys. You know the first. It was, I think Armando might be able to correct me on this. Was it the NLS was the first one, the National League of Soccer or something? Was was the name of the first league back in? The, I think it was the early eighties, late seventies. Uh, yeah, I think it was the uh, NSL. You know, and, and and this is something that you, you know, way back then in, in the seventies, you know, players of the caliber of Best Pele, Marsh, who I plug plug. I just wrote an article about that. Actually, that's why why I'm, I'm plugging it. But you know, this is this is not the first time it's happened. But I think that the platform uh, has changed greatly from the seventies. You know, there's the interest now really in in soccer, as you call it, in the states. Uh, as John said, to sustain this, to actually make the MLS stick, and and I know that we've talked in other pods, Armando, about the possibility of of the MLS getting places in the uh, Copa Libertadores uh, in the future, obviously years in the future. I, I would love to see that. I would think that it would be the, a, a crown jewel uh, if you had the, the the MLS sides coming down to take on the Brazilians, the Argentinians. You know, it, it'd be awesome. What 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 you're thinking on that, Robbie? To get the um, the American teams in the in the Libertadores, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I I think it would be a, an extremely interesting experiment. I just think um, possibly the, the travel times involved might be a hindrance. But yeah, I mean, if you if you can add a, a new platform to that competition, I think it would be it would be something of extreme interest. Yeah, to get some of those world stars down down in South America, I think could generate more more, more crowd interest as well. You know, as we mentioned before before we we came on air. Crowds certainly in Brazil aren't perhaps what they could be, and, and getting names like Lampard, Gerard, Perlo, Villa, Kakar uh, back could could generate a new a new level of interest in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we're we're going to talk about it in the next segment of the show anyway about uh, Ronaldinho Gaúcho uh, and, and the impact he had there at, at the weekend, even when he was signing on for them and presented to, to, to the Maracana the week before. You know, the, the ground was sold out. There was a real interest in it. Um, you know, so that's what one of their own can do. If you, as, and as you say, you bring the likes of Gerard, Lampard, Pirlo, uh, you know, obviously it's not going to happen at this time, but you know, you wind the clock forward 10 years to, to, to the Pirlos and Gerards of that time who are coming. Yeah. You, you know, it could, it could be something that, that sells in South America. The Argentinians don't have that problem. They're football obsessed, uh, and they, they attend matches, but in Brazil, 
you know, as, as we've said, there, there's money aspects, the, the attendances are poor, uh, they have to rely on TV deals to, to, to get by. Something like this could be, could be groundbreaking for, for, for all of South America, would you feel? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, groundbreaking is a, a brilliant description to use. To bring, um, to bring a new dimension, and certainly players of that caliber, like I said, it's not going to happen right now, but you know, if you look five, ten years into the future, um, and you add another layer uh, to the Libertadores, you know, Mexican teams have come in, and of course, Chigres are in the, in the final this year. We've seen other Mexican teams reach the final uh, in the past on, on a couple of occasions. I think to, to bring in a, a, a whole new wave of competition can only be a good thing for the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Libertadores, you know, again, it's something that we're going to cover quite extensively on this pod, uh, for, for the next season, um, because it's not covered greatly anywhere else. So, and, and, you know, obviously we have, we have a South American link here. We have a Latin American link very strongly. So it, it's something that we are going to do in the future on this pod next season is the Libertadores is going to be covered quite extensively. Uh, the pods will be coming at you every couple of weeks. Uh, we're, we're planning to do two a month every, every two weeks. Uh, and, and we will have a big focus on Libertadores. But let's swing uh, southwards, let's say, and, and head towards Brazil at the moment. You, you know, the, the league at the minute, uh, Robbie, is a bit strange, would you agree? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking along the lines of, of the positions of, uh, of Santos, uh, teams like Cruzeiro of last season. They seem to have fallen away this year. What, what's your thinking? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it comes and goes in cycles here in Brazil. You know, there's no real um, established elite, as, you, as you'd see in, in, the, in the big European leagues. Um, it, make, it makes um, competition on the field look more exciting. You know, you've always got t- new teams coming forward and teams that have won the league could suddenly be fighting against relegation. Um, Cruzeiro, of course, who, uh, who won the last two titles, they had Marcelo Oliveira as the coach and they had a, a, a strong... A strong spine of a team with with, with Fabio in goal. They're there, uh, the big the big central defender. They had, had Lucas Silva and and Hiki midfield. The likes of Everton Hibiro, Ricardo Goulart, uh, who have now departed as well. Uh, from- One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, they've seen a mass exodus uh, rather, rather harshly. They fired the coach, uh, Marcelo Oliveira, as is the, the custom in this part of the world. They've hired resident dinosaur, Vandalay Luxemburgo, who, who doesn't seem to be able to, to get the team out of their funk. Um, and their city rivals, Atletico, have, have, now, have now taken the mantle over as team leader, uh, as league leaders. Um, they've, got, they've got 35 points uh, from 16 games. Um, they're looking good. I'm an enormous, I'm an enormous fan of, of Luan, uh, the attacking midfielder who, who, who is like, um, a bit like the a talisman you were describing, uh, uh, Gerard for, um, as for, for Liverpool and, and now the Galaxy. But the, the big news, of course, this past week was the, the debut of Ronaldinho at Fluminense, for Fluminense on Saturday evening, uh, against Gremio, one of his, the club that, that brought him up. A bit of a disappointing crowd. There are only 30 odd thousand there inside the Maracanã to watch it. Um, he didn't have um, the the best game you're ever going to see. He, he looked slightly out of position, playing as a as a false nine, as if he wasn't wasn't quite sure what he was supposed to be doing. But the one goal from the game came from his boot. Nice nice pass into the area, headed down, and, and the young forward Marcus Junior finished it off. Um, interesting about Fluminense, you know, they lost their major sponsor, Unimed, the uh, the big private health company. 
Um, uh, and it, uh, there was another mass exodus of players, which is, of course, so common here in Brazil. But they've, they've held their own, and uh, with their win on Saturday, um, they're, they're actually up to third. And adding Ronaldinho, if he can use the next four months to, um, to, to put in, to, to use his ability to, to the best that he can. Of course, he's 35 now, so he's, he's no spring chicken. But Fluminense could be one of the teams who are surprisingly fighting for the title. Yeah, I can't disagree with you on that. John, I think you want to ask uh, Robbie a question there. Yeah, what I wanted to ask Robbie was, you know, I've been reading uh, Tim Vickery quite a bit um, since the World Cup, and obviously he's got a great knowledge of the the South American scene. And, you know, he he was talking about Brazilian football and it being in crisis. And, you know, when I think of the likes of, of Germany and Spain, and they've had real regimented sort of structures put in place at youth level in order to ensure that, you know, the national teams uh, were successful. And I think we all think of Brazil as, you know, the ultimate, you know, the, they've won the, the World Cup more times than, than, than any other nation. And obviously they're just an unbelievable tradition. Is there anything similar in Brazil? Because I know the, the vibe that you get is it's not, not as organized, it's not as disciplined, the, the, the money's um, possibly not there, but you, you just think with the talent in Brazil and the population and the, you know, the natural ability that the players have, if they could harness that together again to make sure that they, they can compete. Is there anything like that underway in Brazil? Because I wouldn't be an expert in, <laughs> in what they're doing there at, at youth level. I mean, is, is there a plan to get them back, back to the top where probably most people feel Brazil belong? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they do have um, they do have a youth team. There was a, the under twenty team at the World Cup um, last year, earlier this year. So they didn't do uh, quite as well as they were supposed to. I believe they were they were knocked out in the in the in the quarterfinals. But I mean, this is the big problem that Brazil is still dining out on these 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 five world titles and this this image that they they they've managed to cultivate. You know, a, a free flowing samba football, which which really isn't uh, the reality these days. And you get the impression. You know, the, hopefully the World Cup in the long term, that 7-1 morning at the hands of Germany, will serve as a wake-up call. And that, you know, history history is all, all well and good, but you need to keep moving forward. And it's something that arguably Brazil haven't done. Now, now that now that they've, they've seen that they're not at that top table anymore, there can be more integration between the youth levels and the, and the step up to the senior team. At the minute, it's it's far too disintegrated. Um, there seems to be far too much self-interest within the, within, within the CBF uh, with making money on the on on the back of the players, they didn't have the best of time at the at the Copa America either this year. The Dunga's back in charge, which does unfortunately feel like a step back rather than a step forward. But at the minute, it's it's still it's still all a little bit negative. And we were saying before, we were saying today that they they still love to bring up that seven one here in Rio. But at the minute, you still have to feel a, a little bit like there's there's not great hope for the future. I mean, the talent's there, but whether whether they can harness it to build a world-class unit is still very much in doubt. John, I just want to say something as well. You, you know, I remember discussing with you a short, a few months back, um, about football in Brazil. And, and, and you, you know, I was saying to you, this is the iPhone generation. You know, the, the kids are not playing football in the street the same way. They, they, you know, Brazil is sort of like this, they have this, the, the American dream almost exists here in Brazil now. And for my, it's only my opinion of what I see, but, but I feel that the, the, you know, the barefoot football on the beach and things like that is suffering because of, of these things. The, you know, the material things of the world. Brazil has, has raised a lot out of poverty recently. There's, there's a whole new middle class has come along in the last lot of years. Okay. We're having a bit of problem at the moment, but things have got better. People can afford things. So the simple things in life, like kicking a football and whatnot are taking a back seat. And there's also another aspect of, of the youth system in Brazil is they never actually get the chance to stay here. The European clubs are sucking them up like a hoover, you know, 14, 15 years old, moving them to Europe. And then the ones that make it, make it. The ones that don't are spat back out and, and they, are, they arrive here. I think, Robbie, that, that's a pretty fair assessment, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think now you've got this added problem with the, the increased financial power and interest of, of football in China and the Middle East, as we've seen uh, where the two most high-profile high examples are Everton Hibera and Hikadu Gula, who you, you, might thought, you might have thought previously would either have stayed in Brazil if they couldn't find a move to Europe, but now they're perfectly happy to go and play in, in, in Qatar and Saudi Arabia, meaning the actual nucleus you're left with in, in Brazilian domestic football is third-rate. You know, you've got the top players still going to Europe, 
You've got players who possibly aren't going to play for the top clubs in Europe now moving to, to China and Qatar and the Middle East. Um, and you're left in the Campeonato Brasileiro with, um, with some pretty third-rate teams and, and players who aren't, are never going to make it to, to national level. And therein lies, you know, your answer to the attendance. If you're not putting out a quality product, you, you know, you can't, and, and also with the TV deal with Globo here, you, you know, the majority of the games are on TV. Um, and, you know, it's pricey enough to go to a game here whenever you consider what the, the average earning is. It's, you know, even for a Serie B uh, game here, it's uh, 50 reais. You know what I mean? And, and okay, it's a tenner for us, but for, for, for Brazilians, that's, that's a lot of money. Uh, right. for, for a second, t- second tier game. I don't know what it is for Serie A. Uh, you, pro- you know, probably better, Robbie, but, but, you know, you're talking in around the, the 50 mark here, which is, which is quite high. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. The cheapest ticket for the, the Fluminense game on Saturday, Ronaldinho's debut was, was 60 reais. So, I mean, if you're a father wanting to take your, your two sons and, and your, and maybe your wife as well, you're looking at about 250 reais just in tickets before you factored in, uh, travel, uh, drinks, anything else you might you might want to get there. That, of course, yeah. The, as we've, well, we just pointed out, that the standard isn't 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 the best that it could be. Uh, and also, you have these midweek kickoffs. The Wednesday nights, ten o'clock. So the game's finishing at midnight. You're probably going to get home one o'clock in the morning. Kids have got school. Uh, you've got to get up for work at five, half five, six. Um, you know, the idea that certainly here in Rio, that everyone's just lying around on the beach drinking coconut water is a, is a horrible, horrible stereotype. You know, people people do work hard. They're up very early. Um, going to a mid, uh, midweek game at 10 o'clock at night just isn't feasible. And if you have the, the Premier FC, uh, pay-per-view, pay-per-view package, actually every single game is on television. You don't even need to leave your house. Exactly. And that, and that in turn sort of has, has a knock-on effect on, on your, your attendance figures. Armando, I know you want to come in and ask Robbie something quickly, so feel free. Yeah, Robbie, on Ronaldinho, um, Ignacio Ambriz, who was the manager of uh, Querétaro at the time when he was in the Liga MX, wasn't a big fan of Ronaldinho's work ethic, and he didn't. He a lot of times left him out of the squad and started him, and he felt a lot of pressure from from the higher ups at the club to play him, and and that became some turmoil. And then Ambriz uh, eventually got the sack, and now he's the manager of Club América, which is a step up in in relative terms for him. But my question is, Ronaldinho's uh, work ethic is that an issue, or is that just perception? I mean, is that is that perceived the same way in Brazil, or is he, you know, put on a pedestal and not judged in that fashion? Well, I mean, that's that's the enigma about Ronaldinho. He's he's considered in both those lights that you just pointed out. And on, on the one hand, he's this great star. You know, he was the the the, the star of Barcelona from two thousand four to two thousand six. You know, that World Cup was supposed to be his um, in Germany. Quite quite arguably, the most talented player of that generation. Uh, but then it all fell away quite quickly, and he he is seen as someone who could could lead players uh, astray. You know, there were stories coming out of Milan about <clears throat> about the influence he had on on Alexander Pato when he was there. Uh, it didn't quite work out for him at Flamengo. Uh, he was still only thirty one then. Uh, he went he went to Atletico Mineiro, won the Libertadores alongside a uh, young playmaker Bernard, who, who who's now in Ukraine, and he looked like he was um, he was regaining form, regaining confidence, regaining you know a positive attitude towards playing football. Um, again, he seemed to rather lose, lose interest. He had a very disappointing Club World Cup. I forgot the name of the team now that Atletico lost to a, a team from Morocco in the semi-finals. So he didn't even get a meeting with, with, with Guardiola in the final. And then, then of course he went to Mexico and he, uh, it hasn't, doesn't seem to have worked out from there either. He was, he seemed to be being touted around everywhere, Turkey, China, other Brazilian clubs. It seemed to be that his brother Roberto Assis would just flog him to the, to the highest bidder. Um, he's ended up at Fluminense, and there have been reservations that, you know, you know, he's 35 now. Obviously, he doesn't have the same influence that he can have on games. But if you can get him playing, you know, such is the pace of the Brazilian game. We mentioned earlier about the the MLS is being um, slower than the Premier League. The the Brasileiro is, is is practically walking pace compared to the Premier League. So Ronaldinho will get that space to pick passes. You know, he doesn't have to run uh, 12 kilometers in a game. Certainly, if he's playing in a number 10 position. Um, but the, I think a bigger worry for fans and, and possibly club directors is the influence he may have on younger players. You know, Fluminense have quite a good core of young players. Is the, the defender Marlon, um, the holding midfielder Edson, and, and of course Jesson, who we mentioned earlier, who, who could be on his way to Europe. Um, if he can keep himself on the right side of the, of the footballing law and not lead players astray, Fluminense could have themselves a, a great bargain, although it is a massive risk. And after only one game, it's nothing still quite decided yet. The fans are still uh, the fans and, and and the club directors 
are still waiting to see how this is actually going to pan out. You know, he may have lost a, a yard of pace or maybe two or three yards of pace, Robbie, <laughs> but even even his time Atletico, he still has the box of tricks. You never know what you never really know what's going to happen. You know, it, it's like when he was at Barca, you know, he did wonderful things and, and was a master of trickery. That trickery still exists, and, 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 and at times, it's not very often, albeit when, it, when he was uh, uh, in Minas. You know, that, that comes out, and it is, it's worth the, 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 the entrance fee alone. Would you agree with that? No, I would. I mean, I think that's why people are still willing to take a punt on Ronaldinho and, and give him the, the salary that his, his name and, and his history demands, because certainly in Brazil, given the time and the space on the board that he's going to be afforded, he can produce some magic. No, indeed. Uh, John, what's, what's your memories of him? Obviously, you, uh, you wouldn't have seen him uh, in the Brazilian leagues, but did he impress you whenever he was in Europe uh, and, and maybe for the national side? What was your, what was your memories of Ronaldinho? <laughs> oh, God. Did he impress? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was an amazing player, wasn't he? Um, just he a just little. One of them. He, he, you know, for me, he was just one of those players. He was, he was a fantasy player, you know, he... He could make really, really good players look so mediocre and so pedestrian in comparison to him. I think that little trick he does that, you know, where he used to sort of drag the ball with his foot one way and then just change direction. And you've seen it a hundred times, but there, there was no defender ever seemed to, to cotton on to it and actually stop him. But, but, but probably the, the best memory I would have is the, the game in the, in the Bernabeu when, you know, they had Zidane, they had Beckham, but, uh, you know, Barca went there with, you know, with him and, uh, and with Eto and, and, and Xavi and they destroyed them and he got a standing ovation for his goal off the Bernabeu crowd. And I think as a Barcelona player, that says it all. He, he was an unbelievable talent, but, um, it, it's just hard to believe that. And I don't know, you can correct me on this, but it almost feels like with Ronaldinho, he sort of peaked when he was, when he was 26, 27, you know, whereas, you know, a lot of players sort of come into their own from sort of 28 to, to 30, 31, but he, he just peaked so, so early and then faded away. And obviously that was, he probably didn't look after himself. Um, you know, you do wonder if he had a, had the application of someone like Cristiano Ronaldo, um, and that work ethic, how, how far could he have went and how much could he achieve? Because for natural talent, I, I can't count many players I've ever seen that that had more than him. So I think I think what you really have to question is whether whether the disappointment of that 2006 World Cup, you know, it had been the, the the talisman for Barcelona for, for for a couple of seasons by then. And it was built up as you know this is going to be when Ronaldinho announces himself on the world stage, and it, and, it, and it didn't happen for him. You know, then they got knocked out in the quarterfinals by France. You know, Zidane outshone him in that game. You really have to question how, how much that affected him psychologically because, in all honesty, he never really managed to pick himself up again after that. But Robbie as well, you, you know, you, you would have seen it in the press here. He does get a lot of press, global court. He, he's basically, you know, while he's a pro- professional footballer, he's a professional footballer stroke party animal in Brazil, I think. Uh, you know, certainly if, if the media here is, is to be believed, um, certainly he, he, he has a very good time to himself. He has a keen eye for the ladies as well, I would say. Uh, yeah, I mean, there were all sorts of stories when he was at Flamengo, and that's when I, when I um, was following his career the most, when he, when he was here in Rio. And, yeah, some of the stories that came out in the, in the press about the nights he had and uh, the things he'd get up to in the Concentration, uh, when all the players are locked up in the hotel before a game. He, he knows how to have a good time, and you'd quite like to be there with him on a night out, I think. You'd have a few stories to tell afterwards. Yeah, ju- judging, judging by the <laughs> photographs, I, I'd be up for it myself now, all right, definitely. Um, I say, it's Brazil, you know, anything goes. Jesus Christ, that, that kind of a party you'd be, you, you'd be not be home for a week. <laughs> Dave, can I just say, there was, I, I just always remember, there was one goal he scored, and I think I think they actually lost the tie. Um, it was a goal he scored at Chelsea. Um, and I think he just got the ball on the edge of the box at Stamford Bridge and Carvalho was standing in front of him and yeah. with no backlift, with the outside of his right foot, he just curled it around Carvalho and I think Peter Cech didn't even move. Uh, and there was there's no other player. I, I don't think there's any. Even Ronaldo and Messi now, I don't think they could even have seen a goal like that. It was just an unbelievable goal. I remember that goal very, very well. Yeah, it's one of my personal favourites. just sort of swiveled his hips 
ever so slightly to give himself that centimetre, millimetre of room to flick the ball, and he did it and found the corner. It was, it was class, pure, pure class, you know? Yeah, yeah, just out of this world, Ar- really. Armando, I'll go straight across to you. What, what, what are your thoughts on Ronaldinho, your memories of him? Do you, um, and do you think that, uh, would you like to see him succeed at Fluminense? Uh, yeah, I would like to see him succeed at Fluminense. My memories of him are more, you know, with Barcelona as a as a Mexico fan. Rafa Marquez was at Barcelona with him, and and I, I would watch a lot of Barcelona matches. Giovanni dos Santos was coming through as an ex Ronaldinho, learning under his wing. So Ronaldinho for me at Barcelona was something very special, and and it's tough to see what what's become since that time, uh, especially you know with the sour taste that he's left a lot of people here in in Mexico and in the U.S. from watching the Liga MX. Uh, because Liga MX is really the most popular league in the, in North America, in the U.S., even more popular than MLS. So he, he got a lot of notoriety out here and a lot of, uh, you know, people watched him and they were really disappointed with the outcome. So I would like to see him, you know, resurrect his career and, and go out on a high with Fluminense for sure. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Robbie, uh, from going from one player at the, uh, in the twilight of his career to, to another that, on, on, on Tim Vickery was mentioned. This is, this is the guy that Tim Vickery has been raving about for some time. Gerson. What's happened? It all seems to have gone south. What, what, what's, what's your spin on it? Yeah, no, I mean, he's a, he's a player who the, the, everyone has been watching in Brazil for, since the turn of the year when he, when he announced himself in the Fluminese team. Uh, I, I think, I, either he's running out of steam, you know, he's still only uh, 17, 18 years old and he's been playing uh, once, twice a week now and uh, I'm not sure if maybe his body can support it. And quite possibly as well, I think his head's been turned by a lot of the transfer talk. You know, he doesn't know if he's going to be staying until December. Maybe he'll be sold by the end of August when the when the European transfer window closes. But whatever, whatever's happened, he's not putting in um, the kind of performances that his talent has shown that he is capable of. Um, it's one, yeah. one, one did, did you, would you feel it's the pressure of, of these, you know, I know the United have looked at him, I know Chelsea have looked at him, and I think Madrid have looked at him, uh, if, if we're to believe what's in the newspapers. Do you think the weight of that at the age that he's had, and, and I know he didn't go to the, to, to the Youth World Cup because he wanted to have his, uh, birthday in Rio. Who, who could blame him? Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, do you feel that the weight on the shoulders has, has, has had an impact on his performance? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's fair. I, th- I think the, the amount of attention he's now getting is, is not something he's ever been used to before. And it's, it's not just the Brazilian press that's now watching him. It's the world, the world, the world's football press is now watching him. That's an enormous amount of pressure for a, for a young teenager. Uh, and right now he's, he's not putting in the performances he's capable of. I think possibly if they can rest him, you know, now that Ronaldinho's here, um, there's another influential playmaker, Cicero, who's coming back, uh, to Fluminense, uh, from Qatar. And if, if they can get him firing, it might be best to take Gerson out of the out of the limelight for a couple of weeks. No, I, I would agree with that because, as I say, you, you know, it's it's crept, as you say rightly, it's starting to creep in even to to the papers in Europe. Paper talk uh, is about him, and up until really the last couple of months, nobody was talking about him other than Tim uh, for the BBC. Um, and, and I actually started watching uh, Fluminese just for that because, I, as I say, I really respect the the, the opinion of Tim. Um, and, and I think I saw him have really one good game. And from then on in, it's just been this, it's, a, it's like a reduction or a, you know, it's just been down a hill. And, you know, he, he, he is very young for, for my money. It is just all this attention and because players don't really get that in Brazil. You, you know, the last real one like this, uh, was Neymar, but it was a much grander scale. And I think you were talking about a much different, uh, caliber of player. Uh, and certainly as, as regards to finished article would be concerned. Um, but can you see him if he, if he does make the move, say he went to Chelsea, United or Madrid, do you see him making that next step up naturally or is it something he's going to work at? No, I mean, I think he still has to work. You know, it's still, it's an, an enormous amount of effort to make the, the leap from Brazil to a, to a top, top European. Uh, Champions League team, but I think I mean uh, the game you saw was it was it the fly flu game at the end of May when the Fluminense won three two. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that that showed. I think that showed anyone who, who who's an admirer of, of, of Jess and just where his talent can take him if he applies himself, which is a big if. Yeah, I, I, and I was running like the the, the next week. You know, I, I have the, I have all the cha- I have Sport TV, so you, you know all the channels there. So you're always going to get the game. And I started watching Fluminese, you know, when I had the opportunity just to see this guy. But as I say, I, I, apart from one game, I have been left sort of a bit disappointed to say the least. 
Yeah, he's not hitting those heights, but I mean, I mean, he's he's tall, he's strong, he can he can cover ground easily, and he's got fantastic vision. If he can put those attributes together, uh, couple it up with dedicated hard work, I don't see why he can't become uh, a top player in a in a European league, and for, and for the and for the Brazil team, of course. Yeah, uh, John or Armando, have you anything? Do either of you have any an eye on Gerson or or any any input you want to put in? I think you I think you know the one player I want to ask how they think will. Uh, adjust Brazilian. It's Firmino uh, <laughs> going to going to Liverpool. Robbie, what, what what's what's your thoughts on him? Because I know uh, Hoffenheim certainly give the impression he's a player with a real strong work ethic. Likes to press. Really good movement. Looks like he could play anywhere across the the front three. What's what's the feeling? I mean, what's your, what's your own view and what's the feeling in Brazil about Firmino? Do they see that as uh, as he'll be a big success at Anfield, or is the jury still out with him? Yeah, I mean, Firmino is a player in Brazil, actually, who the jury is still out on because he left so young. He left uh, Figueirense in the south, I think, when he was he was 18 and he he went to Germany where, where he's been enormously successful. So I think that will help in his adaption to to England and the Premier League. Uh, he's been in Germany, I think, um, four or five seasons now. Um, as you said, as you rightly said, he can play anywhere across that front three. He's going to cover every blade of grass for you. He's a, he's a worker and a grafter. Uh, he's not going to be the guy who's going to bang in 20, 25 goals a season. I think he only got seven uh, last year for Hoffenheim. But if he can combine well with Coutinho behind um, uh, a front man, which looks like it's going to be Benteke this season, uh, Liverpool could be uh, a very dangerous offensive weapon this season. Good. I'm encouraged by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, it's a common factor here, John. Um, you know, for example, Coutinho is exactly the same as Robbie's saying. When Coutinho came to us, nobody in Brazil knew him because he moved so young. Okay, he, he had he had played for Vasco, um, but not really to to the level that he was getting national attention. And then was was spirited away. And it was only really, um, you know, the injury to Oscar for the Copa America really did sort of lift him up in, into the limelight. But listen, guys, we're, we're time is marching on here, and I would just like to. Uh, to do a little thing for James, um, it's an idea for for each guest that comes on the pod here is to give us a player. Um, it doesn't need to be a completely world class, top class player. A player that impresses you, uh, still playing the game, and and you would like to add to the list of the of top hundred players for the World Football Index. And I'll go to Robbie first. Uh, can you tell me who you picked and a little reason why? Sure, it's a player I mentioned uh, earlier in this pod. It's uh, Luan from from Atletico Mineiro. Uh, I'm a I'm a huge a huge huge admirer of him. You know, he's a, he's a little bit like a bulldog. You know, he um, he's short, stocky, strong, scurries around, uh, a worker, uh, a grafter in the in the final third, and he he's got a hell of a shot on him as well. I think sooner sooner rather than later, you'll you'll see him in Europe. Right. Okay. And Armando, who 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 have you opted for in this one? Uh, I went with an Honduran-born player. His name's Andy Nahar. He plays at Anderlecht right now. He made his uh, debut with uh, here for DC United. Uh, he moved to Virginia when he was really young, at like 13, 14, and uh, he made it. He was one Rookie of the Year in MLS at the age of 17, and now he's playing his trade at Anderlecht. And he's recently been linked to moves to Newcastle and maybe even Arsenal, and that would be his dream move. So Andy Nahar is certainly somebody that we should be keeping an eye out on, and uh, I'll be writing an article for W. Uh, WFI here on him shortly, so keep an eye out for that too. That's cool. And John, who who are you opting for? Well, I'm I'm going to go for a, an established superstar who who I've always have admired. So I'll, I'll I'll book the trend of the other two guys, and that's Gigi Buffon, the the, the UV keeper. Um, I just remember watching him on Channel Four in his debut um, as a 17 year old for uh, for Parma against Milan, a great Milan team, and I remember him keeping a clean sheet. And he was only a wee bit older than me when I watched it, <laughs> which made me feel very inadequate at the time. And uh, yeah, he's just an absolute hero. Just look, you know, just seems like a great character. Um, and I was absolutely gutted for him that he didn't get his his Champions League medal. Uh, but but Buffon for me all the way. Now, I had the honour of watching him uh, in the Italy-Uruguay game here uh, last year in the World Cup. And, you know, I got to see Pirlo, I got to see Suarez, and I got to see Buffon in the same game. And it was just like, wow, it was football porn. You know what I mean? So for me, <laughs> I'm going to go I'm gonna go for a River Plate player, uh, a late developer, a Uruguayan, Carlos Andreas Sanchez. Uh, he's a winger with uh, River Plate. And since I've started watching a little bit of Doris, this is the guy 
that that has really caught my attention. Um, he started his playing career for for Liverpool of Montevideo, ironically, uh, and 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 he moves through the leagues there in uh, Uruguay, and has now ended up with a big move to River Plate. I would say he's a, he's a live wire. He makes things happen. He's just a good player, and maybe one that that, that a lot of people don't know. Uh, and don't know off, but I, I just just read him. He's too he's too old now, I think, to go to Europe. He's in his thirties. He, he was a late developer, but uh, he's a joy to watch. Can't wait to, can't wait to see more of him. Uh, and on that note, gents, um, I, I'm just gonna go round the table again with any plugs that you might have, uh, and and also your Twitter Twitter handles where people can find you. Uh, I'll go backwards this time. John, obviously, uh, you haven't written anything. You, you can you can plug your uh, you can plug our new Northern Ireland pod. Uh, and just where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at at Tubinlad, which is an obscure little village place in Donegal. So it's T W O B A N L A D, because uh, I wouldn't expect anyone to know how to spell Tubin. No, indeed. But but you were the top scorer in one league there. I, I recall on Wikipedia one time. Am I correct? <laughs> I'm not going to recall past glories. <laughs> <laughs> No, you, you were the top. I remember reading it in Wikipedia. You were the top scorer in the Tuban League, were you not? In in, in nineteen sixty four or something. There, there's about twenty people living Tuban, Dave. So you can draw your own conclusions from that. <laughs> no problem. And Robbie, what do you got on at the minute? Anything of note? Uh, no, I haven't done any any writing in a while, actually. Um, um, taking a bit of a backseat at the minute, like I said, but I, I do tweet the odd update on Brazilian football from at Rio underscore Robbie. No, your in-game updates are very, very good. I do follow those. And Armando, what have we got on for you? You've just done an article. I know I'm sure you want to plug it. Yeah, I actually just wrote an article on Miguel Herrera, the former, now former uh, Mexico manager who just got a fired for you know controversial issues after the gold cup uh give that a read it's on world football index also we have a podcast the mexican anfield index just had a podcast uh on ai so also check that out i'll be writing another article here shortly for wfi so i'll be a busy man for sure oh you always are you always are and for myself i've just written one on uh, the, the the 1976 fulham team with uh, bobby moore george best and uh, rodney marsh Hopefully that should be up on the site uh, by Wednesday time. Uh, you can check it out if you like your nostalgia. It's worth a look. Also, we're going to be recording the first ever uh, Northern Ireland Liverpool Anfield Index uh, podcast this week. Uh, if, if Liverpool's your thing, you might want to give us a listen. Uh, as regards to this pod, uh, again, we're going to be recording in two weeks and hopefully the agenda will be uh, the legacy of the World Cup. We have guys from uh, South Africa and Brazil, the last two hosts, and we're going to talk about the the effects of the the, the World Cup and the legacy that it's left in both countries. Uh, I think there's a very difference, or a huge difference of opinion uh, in what those legacies are. So it could be worth a listen. Uh, I'd just like to thank you guys for all being on here, and especially John there in the UK taking the time. I know it's late at night. Very, very much appreciated. As always, it's a pleasure talking to you. And um, just one last thanks again to Gags Tandon. Uh, for, for making this all happen for us and give us, giving us the platform at AI. Uh, we can't thank you enough and do check out his new channel. We have wrestling. We're going to have rugby coming up. We have football. We have movies. There's a TV pod. This, the AI channel is not just for Liverpool people anymore. This is for everyone. So feel free to check out the website and the content there on the channel. There's a new app that's going to be coming very, very shortly. Um, for your and or for your um, iPhones and Android will come shortly after that. It's going to be it's all taken off here. So uh, give us a check out and please tell people that, about the World Football Index and the new podcast. As I say, we're 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 in our infancy. We're going to grow. We're going to get better. We have lots of guests from all over the world lined up for the for the next uh, four to five podcasts, uh, and we're going to take it from there. But for me in Brazil tonight, I'd just like to thank you for listening and thank all the guests again one last time, and it's good night. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.